break them down in twos. <laughs> nah, we do. Baby, read. What about you, bro? Who you want to play with? Ronnie is number one on my fucking list. That's dope. He's number one on my list that I want to play with for you sure. You want him to beat you? You think? Nah, he can't beat me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ronnie. Nah. Beat your dad. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Wall Street Journal podcast. As a follow-up to the last pod that we did on last week, had a lot of great feedback for that podcast with me and Saad, and uh, the people really enjoyed him as my co-guest and our co-host rather, and they really wanted him back. And on the Wall Street Journal podcast, we got to give the people what they want, and in person with me again, I got Saad. What's up, Saad? What's going on, man? I'm happy to be back. Hopefully, we can make this a regular thing. I'm enjoying it, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, everyone seemed to just enjoy the topics we talked about, the just the flow of the pod and everything. Mm -hmm. But before we get into the topics of today's pod, you know, I think you and me, especially you, got a lot of feedback about the pod from your friends. And then, you know, some of your friends actually hit me up too. And we have a, a lot of common friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Friends. But there seemed to be this common theme, uh, really questioning your Nets uh, fandom. I think oh. some people got triggered when you were uh, when I maybe said you were a hardcore Nets fan because <laughs> that's what you told me that you're a hardcore <laughs> Nets fan, and that was a lot of feedback about that. Oh uh, this, man, the, the the forum is yours, Pod. I mean, sorry. Uh, tell, tell us, uh, are you really a Nets fan? Oh my gosh, bro. So after the podcast dropped, literally, what was it, Thursday morning? A bunch of my group chats started going off. Like, if I hear that Saad is the biggest Nets fan in the world, like, I don't want to hear that on another pod, <laughs> like, all this. And, 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 just to be fair, they are, they are correct. My, my loyalties can be can be questionable or have been questionable in the past um so let me let me let me recap and say that football was actually my first like true love in terms of sports right so i'm yeah. a big eagles fan and you know this was back in the early 2000s when the eagles were going to nfc championship games and whatnot the mcnab years yeah. the mcnab years to all that um and the Sixers that one year uh, with AI made it to the NBA Finals. So obviously, 2001, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the Eagles and, and Sixers are supporting each other, and there's this little guard named Allen Iverson. And obviously, I'm, I'm drawn to short guards. That can, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? As a shorter guy, it is what it is. And Central so. Jersey. So it's like Philly and New York are like the same distance. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so, um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed that finals, the, you know, the, the step over with Allen Iverson and whatnot. That's iconic, right? So I did become an AI fan, and unfortunately, my heart was broken for the first time of many by one Kobe Bryant, RIP. Um, Black Mama. There you go. So from that point forward, um, in the 2002 NBA Finals, well, actually... I that summer I got NBA Live 02 with Jason Kidd on the cover. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember, know if you remember this that. This is before game. like uh, and pe- yeah, I remember everyone used to get NBA Live because it was better than 2K. Exactly. Now exactly. 2K. I mean NBA Live. I don't even know if it exists, but back then, yeah, everyone. <laughs> back was then it was like <laughs> the game. 
So, you know, obviously New Jersey Nets, Jason Kidd, I think Vince Carter was on the cover too, um, maybe later, or maybe this was when he was in in Toronto. But anyways, I, I got that, I still have that game. NBA Live 2002 uh, or 2003 with Jason Kidd. And, you know, obviously being from New Jersey, you know, the Nets were playing the Lakers in the NBA Finals. The next year. The yeah. next year, literally got... Did they get swept? Yeah, they got swept. Yeah, they yeah, got yeah. swept. <laughs> I, yeah, so, you know, again, heartbroken by Kobe Bryant. And then the following year, um, like I mentioned to you, I, I have a affinity to shorter guards. So, Mike Bibby at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Bibby at the time was a killer. Yeah. And even before that, Jason Williams, like White, White Chocolate, Chocolate yep, on the yep. Kings, <laughs> Peja Stojakovic, Chris yeah. Webber, that team was phenomenal. The Kings team. And they gave the Lakers a run for their money at the time. Um, and unfortunately, again, Kobe destroyed those oh, yeah, 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 yeah. To get to the NBA Finals. I know. I still get shit about that series because of that Game 6 uh, questionable <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. just watching this Netflix uh, special on Tim Donahue. Oh. He wasn't the rep for that game, but it was some... I mean, yeah, I'll admit, that game had to be rigged. Like, That's what I'm saying, bro. The calls the Lakers got in that game. Like. So, so, you know, at this point, I've listed to you three teams that I've followed and thoroughly enjoyed watching. Um... You know, but obviously the home team is New Jersey Nets. But naturally you have other teams that you're rooting for or whatever, right? So after that, uh, you know, then the Nets go back to back in the finals, back to back losses in the finals, I should say. They lose to the Spurs in, in 04, and after that they kind of collapse, right? Like things kind of die down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they trade all their pieces. Vince Kenyon, Carter. Kenyon Martin wanted the new contract. Yeah. They traded him to the Nuggets. And then they, like, uh, yeah, I remember they started that season out cold before they traded for BC. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So things kind of flamed out a little bit, right? And then, again, small, quick guard and Steve Nash coming up with the seven seconds or less uh, sons with Mike D'Antoni and. Raja Bell and oh, yeah, uh, yeah, Andrew yeah. Barbosa, Marge Stoudemire. They were almost like the predecessor to what the Warriors like eventually became, right? That was such a fun team to watch, man. And then yet again, Kobe comes in and destroys them. And then that other series was also questionable officiating against There you Spurs. go, there you go. I thought in 2007, the Suns were probably the best team. And then Stoudemire and Diaw got suspended. <sighs> and that was it. Man, so after after that 03 loss that the Nets had against the Lakers, I kind of had this vendetta. So I was looking for teams that would you know you know compete with Kobe and the Lakers at the time. And oh, man, Kobe was a killer, man. Kobe was just a killer. So you know, obviously my like I guess love for basketball kind of dwindled a little bit as every team I kept rooting for kept getting destroyed and whatnot and then i went to school in philly so you know this was in 2011 with uh the sixers drew holiday i remember that andre guadala yeah evan turner they yeah. had all they, <laughs> yeah. they had a solid team yeah and they gave the celtics you know they made it I difficult think that went to game seven yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what i'm saying that was like conference semifinals. Right? I it think. was, yeah, because yeah, that was the year they beat the, I think it was the 
maybe the Bulls in the first round because Derrick Rose, uh, that was his like the year he tore his ACL. Right. And then, yeah, the Sixers made it to Game Seven against the Celtics, which was uh, surprising. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And then you know, knowing what the Nets had done in 2010 or going into 2011, you know, moving to Brooklyn, Jay Z takes over all of that. Um, and then they make one of the worst trades in NBA history for Kevin Garnett and oh, Paul Pierce yeah. and trade away every single first round pick. And I'm like, well, if I was going to root for the Nets, like, this is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Who was uh, that, GM Billy, Billy, Billy King? No, Billy. no, no, no. Uh, this was Bobby Marks? Was this Bobby Marks? I think he was the assistant, but uh, I forgot the, I think it was Billy. And they had the Russian owner yeah, at the time. Pro-crawl, pro-crawl. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and they tried with Darren Williams too. They tried to get that team going. Yeah, I mean that that lineup. You thought on paper it was like Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, Paul Pierce, Garnett, and Brooke Lopez. Oof. It could have been, but then I remember Lopez got hurt that year. The chemistry was never right. Jason Kidd who had this like first year as a coach. Yeah, bro. Yeah, <laughs> bro. So that was like a dumpster fire very early. Um, and then, dude, just being in Philly, like, we, this was, like, literally in the peak of, or when the Trust the Process Sam Hinkie started. So, games were, like, five bucks, man. <laughs> I would go to games for free. Yeah. You know, and I'm watching, like, Michael Carter-Williams, Nolan's oh, Noel. Rookie of the Year, Michael Carter. These are deep cuts, man. It's like... like <laughs> You know what I mean? And like they were they were fun. They had so much potential. They were just accumulating draft picks and building through the draft and trust the process and all of this. So, you know, I went to school for six years in Philadelphia. So naturally I saw so much of the process. And so I was invested from that perspective, right? Um, but at the same time, the Nets were kind of building something as well, right? Yeah, like they yeah, brought yeah. They brought in all this young talent, Karis LeVert, D'Angelo Russell. Oh, my boy. Um, yeah. Dan Witty. Dan Witty. Like, they had, they had something fun going on. So, yeah. I was just enjoying everything that was going on in the East, man. And then, and then the Kawhi shot, bro. I remember watching the Kawhi shot, and I was just like, listen, man, this team... With Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, it's just not going to work. These guys, such a clunky fit. It's not, I don't think it's ever going to, like, amount to anything. Ben Simmons can't shoot. Joel Embiid at the time didn't have his conditioning, was injury prone. And at the time, I really wanted to see Ben Simmons, like, just have a team of shooters surrounding him and just see what that would look like. Yeah. And, you know, it, it didn't happen. And then, you know, the best shot was with, Jimmy Butler and you know the Kawhi thing happened, so I was like, "Yeah, done with this, man." <laughs> like the process is over to me. You know what I mean? Like, and then the pandemic hit, and dude, during the pandemic, all I did was literally just watch Kyrie highlights. Yeah, like his home opener against his first game as a net. He hit, he scored fifty, right? Fifty against yeah, the yeah. Timberwolves. The Timberwolves, yeah. Yo, and he almost did that street ball move at the end where like he like got on the uh, the floor, did the spin, and then missed that fadeaway. But that was close, bro. That was like the pinnacle of what the Nets were trying to do. That was Jay Z's vision from like 2010. Like we're gonna be like this young team. We're gonna be the cool cooler team in New York. Like we're gonna build something. We're gonna have good management. We're not gonna be like the Knicks and whatnot. And that to me was like the pinnacle of it. So I was like. 
dang, man, I gotta switch back over <laughs> to the Nets, bro. So, so, I, I definitely understand uh, why my friends give me heat, and it's, it, it's warranted for sure, but I think now, you know, my, my father-in-law is also a big Nets fan, and literally this guy knows every single trade, every transaction, um, yeah. literally everything, and the yeah. real one. He's a real, real Nets fan. So, <laughs> since getting married, like my uh, my loyalties are tied to Brooklyn, bro. Like I can't, you can't, you, you can't I can't switch yeah. now. And it is is basically the situation. Um, but yeah, man. Like my father in law used to get tickets to Nets games. Like oh, this was a different time, and yeah, know, it was yeah, like, yeah. He, Probably when they were still at the Meadowlands. Yeah, And then yeah. they played at the IZOD Center that one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my wife actually remembers going to all these games and whatnot, and she, like, has all these, like, Nets memorabilia from, like, 2003, <laughs> 2004, like, the golden years Yeah, yeah. Dude, the Meadowlands, I remember going to Nets games then, like, in the Meadowlands. It was, it was like, the maybe not, the, like, the nicest arena, but it was just, like, in uh, East Rutherford, like, all the way up in North Jersey. Dude, like It was a Jersey team. Yeah, it was yeah. A Jersey but you, team. you felt kind of connected to them, because, like you said, it was, like, a Jersey team, and then they just had, like, the Kid, Carter, Jefferson, like, that trio. Such a squad, man. When they were on, man, it would be so exciting to be at Nets games. Um, I remember this one game that I went to, it was, like, Nets versus Pistons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like 05, 06. The Pistons were really good that year. And the Nets were like on like this amazing winning streak. And they had this like solid team. And then they found like Nainat Krusich that year. Oh. I don't know if you remember him. Yes. That's another deep cut. But Jeez, another man. five. And it was just like Kid Carter, Jefferson, Krusich. I forgot who the last guy in the starting five was. But Krusich was that perfect complimented kid. He could hit that mid range. He could like play inside. He was like underrated for some time, like Kristich, like Yeah, bro. These these European guys, yeah, these Euro yeah, guys, yeah. man. They they just they're so good at playing. Like now, you know, they that's got, they got the fundamentals and like the skills at they may not be the most athletic, but they got the skills and the fundamentals. Dude, and that's that's unbelievable. Like look at Kobe in Pow, bro. Oh like, yeah. You know, like Kobe was having difficulty during that same stretch. Yep. That same stretch that we talked about. It wasn't until he got Lamar Odom and Pau Gasol um, that he started winning a couple more championships, you know? And Pau was, like, literally the pit, like, the the prime example of, like, a Euro big. Yeah. You know? Perfect compliment to Kobe. Learned the triangle. The only thing was, like, people said he was, like, kind of soft, but then, especially when KG, like, just, like, Ben Perkins, like, but Kobe had up. to toughen him up. Yeah, yeah. Kobe... Kobe toughened him up real fast. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo. So now that we're you know talking about the Lakers, yeah. On on that note, something came out this week. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how you feel about it, but obviously the Lakers made a trade for for Patrick Beverly, giving up Tht and Stanley Johnson. Yeah. How do you feel about that trade as a Laker fan? Yeah, I mean. I remember when I saw it, um, I think my first reaction was, it's a good trade, but hopefully it's not the only trade. Like, if this is, like, the final roster, Mm -hmm. and you're going to go into a season with Pat Bev and Russ on the same team, first of all, I don't think they could play together. Like, I'm seeing already quotes about how Darvin Ham thinks they could be, like, a defensive, like, minded backcourt like when it's Russ last play defense like I don't, <laughs> like it makes no sense 
Um, you know, I don't think they fit together on offense either. They're, I mean, Pat Bev is a better shooter than Russ, but like... That's not saying th- that's, much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then you come to the off-the-court issues with um, Pat Bev and Russ. They clearly have history. So in like that 2013 playoffs, that was the year like I thought the Thunder were the best team. Uh-huh. Um, it was when they they came off the Harden trade. But they had they got Kevin Martin and he was like not Harden, but he was like kind of close to what Harden was at that time. He was like microwave off the bench. Exactly. He could give them almost what Harden gave them. And they still had the rest of their depth. Uh they had Ibaka, KD, like and then Pat Bev, it was like I still remember that play. Russ was going to the bench to call a timeout. Yeah. Pat Bev just swipes him and then Russ tore the uh I think he tore his meniscus or he had like an ACL injury. Mm-hmm. Out for the playoffs, and then the Thunder—they—they they were the number one seed, and they lost in the next round to the Grizzlies. Mm. There's been that, and then in other playoffs, we've seen like you know, uh, Pat Bev and Russ go at it. Last season, it was so bad to the point when like Russ like airballed, like Pat no! Bev was like, <laughs> Pat Bev was like that whole Minnesota team, but Pat Bev was like looking up at the ceiling, like think, acting like he got hit by like the ball. Like. Dude, the funniest <laughs> thing was when Pat Bev was like. He stinks. He stinks. <laughs> he was to Russ's his, face. He, he was holding bro. his nose. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that was the funniest thing. But I just saw something today actually that that said um, Pat Bev and Russ have been in contact. Yeah, I saw that too. I think Mark Stein reported it about like they've been in contact and they've like trying to hash it out. And while it's like whatever, it's almost like I think that people. They most so most people would be reassured by that kind of news. I think it like it hurt it scares me because I'm like, are the Lakers actually trying to think that this could work? Um, in the sense that, you know, I I was hoping that by getting Pat Bev, it meant that the next move is Rust, right? Because you think that that trade on its own, like, yeah, THT, I think he was kind of he needed a t- go to a team like Utah where he could get more chances to make mistakes, like and develop and Pat Bev is someone that I think is a good compliment to Braun. He'll play defense. He's kind of like Alex like how Alex Caruso was for us. On that note, it's funny that you say that. It's it's so crazy to me that the Lakers could have kept Alex Caruso, Caruso over THT. Over THT yeah. and like Alex Caruso was a much better fit yeah. for Braun and their timeline. Like yeah. THT is like a development guy like he needs like you said yeah he needs chances to mess up he needs like the ball in his hands and whatnot but bro this man on a lebron team cannot be shooting like what is it 20 percent yeah, yeah. from three like yeah. no bro that's not that's not gonna work no i think what happened there was you know thd is part of clutch sports and that's where the politics of that came in and you know and the Lakers, I mean, if they were a team like the Warriors, they would have kept them both, right? It's just mm-hmm. like, fork up the luxury tax, pay it. You don't want to lose guys like that. Bro, Genie Bus is not trying to pay Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And, and I think that's what people don't realize, ultimately, about the Lakers, right? Where these other owners, like, basketball is like a side business. Like, they already made their money. Like, guys mm-hmm. like Balmer, Cuban, like, all these tech guys or venture capitalists, like... Mm-hmm. Basketball is like their side business. They got like a primary source of income in like whatever right. other world, and it's like it's almost like a toy for them. It's like oh, like I get to own a team. It's like a status, but for the Lakers, like this the, is this their is, prime, this is yeah. their business. This is their way of making money. So they gotta like 
focus they are focused on that more than like say like other teams and and you would think that like you know they they have won a championship which obviously brings in a ton of revenue but they won a championship in such a tumultuous time where it was in the bubble right they're not filling up seats at what is it crypto arena now (laughs) you know they're not they didn't have a parade they weren't able to get i guess as much revenue as as they would have been able to in under typical certain circumstances so that definitely hurts as well yeah but the good thing is lebron signed that extension which i know was gonna was a looming subject for your guys's offseason is he gonna sign how long is he gonna sign for you guys got him locked up for until 2025 so yeah that's kind of in line with Bronny's timeline to the league yep so we'll see what happens but i think i where do the lakers go from here man like yeah what I, do you think i mean like i said i think the only saving move that we have is to trade russ so like you know, kind of like on another connected note, like you know, last night R.J. Barrett signed an extension with the Knicks, mm. um, the rookie extension, and then I was just seeing that this contract makes it much harder to get traded now because you know one of the things was does Russ get routed to Utah, like potential three team trade. Mm. Um, Donovan Mitchell goes to uh, the Knicks, and then we get like Bogdanovich and maybe Fournier or something. But that move seems to be more difficult now because of that R.J. extension. You know, really the only move that could save us, I think, is Russ and two first-round picks for, to Indiana for Turner and Heald, which, you know, would be nice. I think uh, Heald is a shooter, and then uh, Turner is like a, you know, we know AD doesn't like playing the five, so, you know, Turner can play the five, but he also can kind of space the floor. He's not, for a center, he shoots threes decently. Right. You go into a, a season with uh, Pat Bev, Heald, LeBron, AD, and Turner as your starting five. I mean, that's not, I'm not going to say like, you know, that's like, the, I think that team can make the playoffs, which is an improvement. And then once you're in the playoffs, I mean, you got LeBron and AD. If they're healthy, you, know, you yeah, take your chances, right? Yeah, like, LeBron yeah. in the playoffs, he always says that. Like, he's like, just get me in the playoffs. I think the problem has been with the Lakers that he hasn't made the playoffs for two years. The one year they made, one year they won the championship, the other year AD got hurt in the first round. So, I think that's the only move that could save the Lakers. You know, I really hope that all these things that they're saying out there in public of, you know, Russ and Pat Beverick maybe trying to make up or Darvin Ham thinks that they could play together. I hope it's just like a way of like uh, showing that they're not desperate mm-hmm. in the in the uh, public media. But I mean, if they actually want to go into I, I think if they go into this season with Russ on the team, I think it's like almost suicide like for the team. Bro, like... When they made this trade for Russ last year, and they had the opportunity to trade for Buddy Heald, yeah, and it would have been what, just like maybe Kuzma. it was like Kuzma and Harold and like a first round pick or maybe a, a, a second. Oh, I would have done that in a yeah. heartbeat. Yeah, in a heartbeat, yeah. bro. People don't realize how good of a shooter Heald is because he was on Sacramento. Who watches Sacramento? <laughs> and now he's on Indiana. Well, I used to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And now he's on Indiana. Who's really watching Indiana? So I don't think people realize how good of a shooter he is. And we know Braun, like, if you're playing with Braun and you're a shooter, like a knockdown shooter, man. Like, we, he's like elevated guys like Mike Miller, Mario Chalmers, like, these kind of guys in the past. Imagine giving him, like, Buddy Heal. 
Yeah, man. Like, Channing Fry comes to mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. When he was hitting threes. Uh, yeah. Oh, nuts, I forgot man. that. Yeah, exactly. I, I, you know, that might be the only saving grace um, for the Lakers if they can somehow convert Russ into some sort of. Now that we know that Kyrie thinks not happening and mm. all that, like, if they could convert him into at least, like, uh, role players or, like, players who could actually make an impact, that's that's your only shot. Dude, I don't get what the hesitation hesitancy is with the 2027 and 2029 picks like i know they're first round picks but bro you have arguably one of the best players to ever play the sport you have the opportunity now to trade for a team that makes you competitive at least i would say this team would be a borderline playing team top 16 yeah right because the west is super competitive yeah the clippers right. are going to be better nuggets are going to be better it's the west let, let, let's let's just lift the uh, list it off bro you have yeah. the clippers i mean we got i think we got to start with the warriors you right? got to start with the warriors the you got to start with then the clippers then yeah. you got the nuggets porter and murray coming back yeah exactly you got the grizzlies that's what yeah. top 3 seed Two in the seed. west yeah, Two exactly. seed in the west exactly then you got who else? Bro? I mean, you're, you're gonna think Phoenix is maybe not gonna be where they were last year, but they still got CP3, Booker, Aiden, Bridges, that, like continuity. That's five teams that we've already listed. Yeah, Minnesota is reg- gonna be better, dude. In the regular season, they're gonna be phenomenal. Only team that's gonna take a drop is probably the Jazz, right? That's probably the only team. Yeah. So the, yeah, this I think you have a top six, and really, it's like yeah, you're one thinking like the Lakers are probably in that group with like. New Orleans, if Zion stays healthy. Bro, New Orleans is nice. They gave the Suns a run for their money. Yep. Like, Devin Booker was out, granted, but, like, that team looks good, and Zion wasn't even playing. Exactly. So, now that's like six, seven teams that we've already listed off that, you know, are going to give the Lakers fits. I mean, who knows? People think the Kings can be nice, like, because they got Fox a bonus, like... Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray. Bro, I've been <laughs> listening to that same record for the past 20 years. <laughs> they, I know. I have know. the Kings even made the playoffs in 20 years? I think they haven't made it since like 2006. So like, in like there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, I know. But you would think that, I mean, this team maybe, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, regardless, all we know is the West is stacked. The only two teams that we could say maybe are going to drop off again. The Spurs, because it looks like with the Dejounte Murray trade, they're clearly like tanking for Wembyama and the Jazz. Maybe not now, but you know they probably are going to trade Donovan Mitchell at some point. And so you maybe winning right now isn't at their best interest, even. Right, and I think I think the other team that's in a precarious situation is. Oh, we, we didn't even talk about Dallas. Oh my gosh, we forgot <laughs> Dallas. Bro. So yeah, the West yeah. is absolutely stacked. <laughs> I think I think another team that's in a precarious situation now, and maybe their 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 uh, their outlook isn't as it, it's very different than the Lakers, but they're still in a precarious situation. Is the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Right, that's another topic we wanted to cover today. So you have this news about Chet Holmgren. Yeah. Devastating. Yeah. Literally, Liz Frank injury, which is typically a football injury. Yeah. I mean, against guarding LeBron. Like, <laughs> I could see why that would happen to you, yeah. <laughs> you know, but he's out for the year. Yeah. And, you know, before when they drafted Chet Holmgren, it was like, all right, now we kind of have this big three. We have Josh Giddy, We have uh, SGA, who I love. And, you know, now they have Chet Holmgren, who's going to come in, 
He's gonna play good defense. He's gonna go out and get a bucket. Like Sky is literally the like white slim reaper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, he looked nice in summer league. <laughs> I oh. mean, it was summer league, but yeah. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. With him being out now, it's like, all right, you still have Josh Giddy in SGA, but that's what you had last year. You have Luke Dort, which is interesting. He's he signed on for a long uh, long term yep. deal. They're, they're going to be interesting. They're not really... I wouldn't say that they're back in tank mode, but they're not in, like, competing for the West. Playoffs, yeah, yeah. So it's like, what do you... This is just like a... It's like a filler year. Whatever you have going on this year is just... Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're just we're just waiting on Chet Holmgren. We're going to bulk him up. I think this is a good opportunity for him to literally take his bo- uh, body seriously. Like, yeah. just look at whatever Giannis did and <laughs> Get on the same nutrition plan. <laughs> literally, bro. <laughs> Although, like, you know, it's funny with Giannis, because I wonder if his body would have filled out earlier, uh, but he just, like... I mean, we, they've written stories. Like, he just didn't have the new... Like, he, they couldn't afford to eat, like, what he needed to, right? Because right. he just couldn't get on, like, an actual nutrition plan because that's how tough of circumstances he grew up in. So, yeah. it's like, maybe Giannis's body would have always filled out that way. Like, he has that kind of genetics, but he just... He just wasn't eating. Right. Whereas, I wonder if Chet's body is just, like, what it is. But, yeah, he's still got to, like, bulk up. But, I mean... Just, yeah, it was devastating news because I think we, I, on a side note, I remember like tech when I saw that news, you know, not to make fun of anyone's injuries, but this is what was the concern with uh, Chet, right? It's like, is his body going to hold up against NBA guys? And then who are there? Like, I mean, he goes up against Braun, right? Who's like, actually built like a tank. And I was like, texting St. Eve, I was like, yeah, like guards Braun once, like breaks his foot. Like, <laughs> he can't make that up. But, you know, he got the block on Braun, but he just, uh, it was just maybe the way he landed or something. It's not like Bond like landed on him. Right. But yeah, I, I mean, you, the other question really is, so the, you're right. The Thunder had this team that you thought would be kind of maybe taking a step forward this year. Maybe not playoffs, but a little bit of an improvement. Um, with this news, I mean, they. I wonder if it almost just makes sense for them to kind of stealthily like tank again. You know, because everybody, knows, yeah, everybody knows Victor and Scoot Henderson are apparently like generational players. They get one more shot at that draft, and then you have like, but it's like the question now is how patient is SGA going to be, right? Because this guy, he's starting his fifth season, so you know he's about to like be in his prime. He's got the five-year contract. He's a max player. He's got his money, but I'm sure at some point, you know, if he wants to be taken seriously, he probably wants to win it. It's like, do the stuff. But then, then you get into that vicious cycle, right? It's like, do you trade SGA for more picks? And then it's like, at what point do you actually want to start winning? Because you could keep saying, like, we'll keep tanking, we'll keep trading for picks. But at some point, you got to... We saw that with the Sixers, right? They, right. That's why Sam Hinkie got fired. Because <laughs> <laughs> at some point, it's like, you got to start, like, making, like, moves regarding to winning as opposed to, like, rebuilding. Right, right. And I feel like Presti has a little more leeway in the situation. He, he ha- has the esteem and the respect around the league to to kind of play that well but no I completely agree with you I think with with the SGA situation it's interesting I, I was listening to something and uh, I found out that SGA didn't he doesn't even have a fifth year option 
Oh, yeah, he signed like, a full five years. He signed yeah. full five years. That's commitment to the team, yeah. Bro, and I mean, obviously Oklahoma City's not a big market and all of that, but dude, if SGA is patient, he like he can be part of something really, really phenomenal. Because I know I know there's always a worry with um, you know, bigger guys and lower body injuries. You know, you saw that with Joel on and whatnot, but yeah. dude. Chet Holmgren is what 19, 20 years old. Yeah, like he's still very young. His his body's still very malleable, and like in terms of recovery and whatnot, I think he's going to be fine. You know, we, like we have state of the art healthcare and technology to to kind of you know we have the proper structure in place for a, a player to rehab. Like we're seeing now, even with like Achilles injuries, like. Achilles injuries, like maybe ten years ago, bro. Like, if you got an Achilles injury, like your, your career was over. Like, you think about ACLs twenty years ago. If you tore your ACL, you were done. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the <laughs> surgeries weren't what it was now, and it was just like a different time. Like, lower body injuries were considered like. I mean, we saw guys like Bill Walton and everyone like it's it was ending career ending basically. Yeah. Right, right. So I think I think we've turned we've seen a lot in terms of advancement. For, for, you know, these injuries to... Obviously, they're still devastating, but... Bro, Paul George, his bone literally came out of his knee. Ooh, man, I, every time <laughs> I watch that video still... Like, they literally had to move the basketball stanchion back in, like, NBA arenas because of that injury. So, you like... And yeah. this man is now out here balling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the the injury is devastating, but at the same time, like... He'll be okay. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it's his time to bulk up. I think for the Thunder, you know, another chance to get a draft pick. They have, like, all these other draft picks coming to them still. Right. And we've seen this happen before, right? Joel Embiid missed his first two years. Ben Simmons missed his rookie year. Blake Griffin missed his rookie year. You know, Simmons came back one rookie of the year. Like, um, so did Blake Griffin. So it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it always sucks because I think as fans, we also kind of wanted to see this team. Um, play and right. the fact that as NBA fans, you know, we don't get to see one like the, the number two pick and then uh, draft get to play. Right. You know, it's it's it just uh, it's it's a little tough. Um, but you know, I think one thing I I think we wanted to hit on for this pod, you know, before like we close it out is I think you want you had uh, some things you wanted to get off about James Harden, right? Oh my <laughs> gosh, man! Yes, hundred percent. So. Uh, bro, James Harden is such a pol- not polarizing, but I don't know. Like when when he was on the Thunder, that young Thunder team, you know, um, he was a six man. He was he was the microwave off the bench, supplied scoring, uh, passing. He, he was he was such a good player, but obviously the Thunder made a, a mistake by not paying him whatever the extra. What ten million that would have been? It wasn't even that. Like, I think it was like four million, like or whatever. They just didn't want to go to the luxury tax again. Like and, and another case of an NBA owner being cheap. Like <laughs> <laughs> there you go, there you go. And and obviously you saw what happened in those first few years with James Harden being on the Rockets and kind of having his own team. Like he was dominant. It was amazing. And Daryl Morey, to his credit did everything in his power to kind of build around James Harden. 
I know initially it was like with Dwight Howard and obviously Dwight Howard's maturity level at that time, just coming from the Lakers, wasn't that great. And, you know, that kind of fell through, which isn't James Harden's fault necessarily. It's it's kind of Dwight's fault, depending on how you look at it. But obviously that situation didn't work out, right? So then it's back to James Harden being just like a baller, killing it in all these statistics, scoring statistics and whatnot, dropping, what, 30-plus a game for, like, back-to-back years, winning MVPs, like, doing all this phenomenal stuff in the regular season and then you get to the playoffs and it's like all right like he kind of flames out which i i get to a certain extent right like if you're if you're playing like every game this guy literally did not miss a game yeah and you know you're balling on all these people literally dropping 35 50 point triple doubles like whatever it is you're going off you're gonna get tired of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's wear and tear on your body. Fully understand that. But at the same time, MJ played every game. Yeah. Kobe played every game. Yeah. And mind you, those guys had players. They had Shaq, who was dominant in his own right, and they had even with Powell and Lamar Odom, like they had other pieces, right? You can argue that it was literally James Harden and like a bunch of like other players right and also what factors into this is how that offense was built it got to the point where d'antoni was like just give the ball to james harden yeah it was nowhere near what d'antoni was running with the subs right it was just like uh here yeah basically give the ball to harden pick and roll with capella it's three shooters around him right that's what it was every single play pretty much <laughs> right and it's like yo it's hard to develop rhythm if you're on the rockets if you're not getting touches in the regular season Exactly. So, you know, those opportunities that you have against the Warriors, like how your team was built to beat the Warriors or whatever Maury said, right? Like, you missed 27 threes in a row. Like, this is jumping ahead in, in the hardened timeline, but yeah. you missed 27 threes in a row. It's because <laughs> other players aren't hot. Yeah. Or, like, they, they could, don't. They just weren't, like, ready, right? Like, you're just not uh, ready to that. And then. I mean, I think part of that was Chris Paul missed that game too, because I think if Chris Paul's on the floor, he's probably like, "All right, guys, let's just—it's okay to take a mid-range, like you right. know, at least like let's just break the break the seal, like you know, we can't just keep like taking threes if we're not making it." <laughs> right, right. So we jumped a little bit ahead, but I think it got to the point where James Harden was like, "All right, I need like a, I need a running mate. I need someone to like." play with me here right and Daryl Morey's like okay things are kind of flaming out in in Los Angeles for Chris Paul let's make a deal to get him over here or whatnot Chris Paul comes and you know the Chris Paul effect is is prominent right like he rubs people certain people the wrong way but generally he's a winner like he improves every situation that he goes to I'm not saying he's a winner in the sense of like championships but yeah he improves every situation that he goes to his methodology is probably not the best, right? But if you adapt to how his mindset is, it, it's going to be a good situation. Because it's the same thing about Kobe's mindset. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Certain, certain people, they rub people the wrong way. Like, it is what it is. But, you know, James Harden had, had Chris Paul, who's a phenomenal point guard. Like, literally, you have some of the load taken off of you and whatnot. You can... Do other things. I mean, the Rockets that first year with CP3 and Harden, like Harden's MVP year, like 
I think they found the perfect balance and you know CPD and three didn't get hurt. I think the Rockets always like bitch about that, but I I do think they were kind of right. They seem to have figured out the Warriors, and if CP three didn't get hurt, they would have probably won that series. But that's that's what happens. That's right? what like, happens, man. You get Literally. injuries like at unfortunate circumstances sometimes, and you just kind of gotta get get over them. Like it's 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 part of the NBA. So then they run it back, right? Yeah. Chris Paul runs it back, all the stuff, and then they what? They lost again in what, like the second round? To the Warriors, and that was the year KD got hurt, and they still lost to the, still lost to the Warriors team. And then at that point, James Harden's like, "All right, I've dealt with Chris Paul for two years. <laughs> yeah. I'm annoyed with this guy because he's telling me what to do. Like, he's trying to win, bro. Like, yeah. and James Harden was like, "All right, I'm annoyed. Trade this guy. I want, I want to play with Russ. Russ is my guy. I've played with him forever. Yeah, I know him since like growing up. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. That like." flamed out very quick <laughs> yeah mind you mind you russell westbrook got injured and yeah whatever the situation was my point in saying all of this is that james harden's time in houston however long it was what, what was it eight nine years yeah his time in houston everything was catered to him yeah everything was catered on to and off the court on and off the court bro this guy would miss practices yeah he would fly wherever he wanted he would tell the like team like hey if we're going to la like we're staying an extra night here or be like here we're gonna stop in vegas on bro, the way back home or whatever he lived like a king and literally did whatever he wanted to do yep and did not deliver in terms of championships yeah right and if you're putting up stats that are comparable to mj and kobe you gotta have a signature playoff win. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, MJ had a, the shot against Cleveland, was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, Kobe had, obviously, against the Suns, against the Kings, against all these teams, he had his signature moment in the playoffs. Yeah. James Harden does not have a signature win in the playoffs. Yeah. Which is my big issue with him. I've been hating on him since the thing with Chris Paul flamed out. And I understand that Chris Paul is a difficult personality. But at the same time, bro, you're trying to win a championship. Kobe and Shaq had different personalities. Yeah. They had difficult personalities. (laughs) Shaq is a difficult person to deal with. And they dealt with each other, yeah. To three championships. Yeah. Probably a lot more if if Shaq decided to stay in shape. (laughs) I think that's where, like, I wonder if, like, the coach plays such a big role and... Dude, D'Antoni is so non-confrontational. I think that was a huge thing. I think before D'Antoni was like Kevin McHale, but with when it was CP3 and Harden, it was D'Antoni. And I think that was not his like specialty, right? Like dealing with the uh, difficult and that's where like a guy like Phil Jackson really comes in. Like he could like put up with uh Dennis Rodman or he could put up with these difficult personalities and or Ron Artest, like, you know, like right, right. this the and that's where you need a coach like that. And so yeah, I mean that's so funny that you say it. I, I just go back and I don't remember like a signature Harden playoff win. I think the closest I can remember was um, the year the Thunder made the finals. I think he had like this really good closeout game against the Spurs. Yeah, but I'm talking about but, like, like when he after, had, he be, after as he was like the when he's guy. driving the bus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Charles Barkley said. Yeah. So so I say all that to say like all right. After that whole situation in Houston happens, he's like, all right, I don't want to be here anymore. What do you mean you don't want to be here? Yeah. You have, like, everything was catered to you. And then he comes in out of shape, whatever, whatever, forces his way to trade to Brooklyn, which, 
you know, at the time as a Brooklyn fan, I was like, okay, like he's a great scorer. Like he doesn't have to do all the stuff that he did in Houston. Yeah. I understand from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously situations arise with Kyrie and KD. KD gets injured, Kyrie, we don't have to go into all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? And he gets annoyed at that situation. So my thing, my thing with this whole this whole rant about James Harden is that, <laughs> bro, that like if it's it's now or never, bro. You have an MVP candidate in Joel Embiid. Yeah. You have Daryl Morey, your your favorite general manager. You have everything built around you. You know all the pieces, everything. You have a young up and coming star in Max. Yeah. There's no excuses. You know and. Like, if you can't deliver with this situation under these circumstances, it's done. Like, your window is closed, in my opinion. In yeah, my opinion. no, for sure. I mean, at his age now, too, right? You got to take that into account. And Harding's like, I mean, he was in the 2009 draft, so he's on, he said year 14, right? This is like, this is the time. Like, he's not, he's not getting any younger. And, 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 dude, from all accounts, it seems as if he's taking this opportunity very seriously. He's conditioning himself and all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, he's skinny hearted. Yeah. Skinny hearted, all that. <laughs> and that, and, and that's great, bro. The only thing that is important for him is to get a signature win and to make it in the finals and to be a significant contributor. That's why I give him so much hate. You know, because he has all, he has every other stat. He has every other accolade that you would want from an NBA career, from an NBA resume. Yeah. But you don't have a signature playoff win. You're known for not coming up big in the playoffs. Even this year. Even this year, he flamed out against, against, uh, what was it, Miami? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Flamed out. That game six was embarrassing. Like, bro, and like, what's the excuse? Yeah. What's the excuse? Yeah, yeah. That game six is embarrassing. I mean, again, Harden was hesitant to shoot. Uh, he was just passing up. Like anytime they trapped him, like it was like there was no fight. Um, I think that's a lot. That's another thing that we see with Harden, right? It's just not that how he loses sometimes. It's it's almost like it, he like there's no fight left, or he just gives up. Um, like that year that again they lost to the Spurs. I think it was 2017. Like Kawhi was out, and it was like a closeout game and. At home, he like shot like two for thirteen or something like that. Bro. It was like one of the most embarrassing performances. So like when Harden flames out, it's to the point that he just like doesn't. It's like he's not even trying there. He literally gives up on the team, and especially with the Rockets, that was embarrassing, right? Because the Rockets they traded like future first round picks for Russ, and it's like we gave up. Like that's the whole thing with the KD thing too, right? Like I mean, we see these when these stars like. The team has mortgaged the future for what the star is asking, and then they're like, oh, "I want out." Like, but it's like we did these things for you. I think that's where it's like a little like, dude. And that's like I get into I've gotten into such heated debates about Harden. Yeah. Because like when this whole trade happened, like everyone's like, "Oh no, it's not Harden's fault that they lost." And I'm like, "Oh, like Harden, like I guess." The, the the argument was like, is James Harden at fault for his situations in the past? And I'm like, 1,000% he is. Yeah. 1,000% he is. Course, he yeah. has to take responsibility for that. Yeah. If you're putting up all these numbers and you're the leader of the team and you're driving the bus, quote unquote, yeah. you have to take responsibility for the L's. You have to take responsibility for the fact that you 
haven't been you haven't been able to get a championship in these very favorable circumstances. And now you're given this one last golden opportunity. It's time to it's yeah. time to put up or shut up. Yeah, bro. yeah. I mean, like you said, there's no better chance. Like, you know, you got. I think this is the first time Harden did an unselfish thing that I can remember, where he took less money than the max uh, to help the team out. And luckily, he's got a guy like Daryl Morey running this team. And you yeah, know, they're definitely funneling him cash <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Some side businesses, uh, like Josh Harris has, or hundred yeah. percent, man. Yeah, um, but yeah, on the surface, it's yeah, also. yeah. I mean, he did whatever he could to help the cap sheet, at least, and you know that's how they got um, yeah, and I'm, House I'm, Tucker and all those guys. But yeah, I mean, you're right. This is the time. I, I, I think the Sixers have the depth, and Joel Embiid. I mean, that you gotta say, along with KD, it's like the best teammate he's ever had. Hundred percent. And Embiid is younger than KD, and you know, this is this is his chance. Dude, between between getting funneled cash and the uh, birthday gift that little baby, little baby gave him, <laughs> yeah. he'll be alright. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think Harden's lagging. He's got the Adidas money. Like, I don't think he's lagging, hurting for. Uh, but you know, it's nice when like he's at least seen like to help the cap sheet wise. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I, I I think Harden's got to he's got to put up or shut up. I think simply put, that that's that's the only thing he can do right now. That's it, man. I think. I think that covers it for us man yeah no this is a this is a fun pod i think uh, we hit on some topics and i'm hoping that when this one comes out you know hopefully your friends uh or whoever like whoever listens whoever gave you shit last time i think hopefully they now know why you're next <laughs> <laughs> but yeah man thanks for having me back this is a lot of fun man yeah it was a great time and that's it for this pod signing off i want to thank our producer sandeep Without him, this podcast would not be possible. If you want to get the latest news on the podcast and to support us, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BSJPod and check out our website at www.bsjpod.com. Thanks for tuning in.